You are listening to the Mercy View podcast. Mercy View exists to be a gospel-centered family of missional disciples to the glory of God and for the city's good. For more information about Mercy View, please visit our website at mercyview.com. Now, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you, Ryan. Good evening. Good to see you. Welcome to Mercy View. Uh, My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're joining us tonight for the first time, visiting with us, uh, I just want to echo what Ryan said. We are so glad that you're here. And if I can serve you in any way, I'd be honored to do that. Uh, Maybe grab me after the service. Love to uh, meet you. A few years ago, uh, I was looking for a place to work uh, out and about. Uh, Mercy View. Uh, even to this day, we, we don't have any offices of our own. We just sort of office out of places that are comfortable and convenient for us. For me, many times, that's a coffee shop. And um, in the early days of Mercy View, I was still kind of getting the lay of the land. And I thought, you know, I'm going to just try something new today. And so I looked up this spot uh, on Google Maps and I drove to this spot on uh, like Admiral, almost kind of towards downtown. And I pulled up to this this place, and uh, I see the name of this place and, and think, man, this looks pretty cool. This is going to be a great place to, uh, to, to work and hang out today. So I get out of my vehicle, and I go up to the door, and I start to try to open the door, and I notice that it's locked. And I looked at the hours back again on my, the Google Map thing, and I realized that uh, it wasn't open yet. And as I turned around to go back to my vehicle, the door opened. And this tall, kind of slender man, uh, dark-headed dude, uh, opened the door, and he said, hey, can I help you? And I said, well, actually, I was here to uh, check this place out. Maybe this might be a place for, uh, for me to work today. I work just kind of out and about. And he said, uh, well, actually, this isn't a, a coffee shop. This is a, a roastery. Um, and I said, oh, dude, I'm like, okay, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. And I could, I could kind of see inside the, the, the building, and it looked really neat. And, um, but I was like, you know what, man, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll go find something else. And he goes, oh, no, hold on a second. He said, would you like a tour? And I'm kind of a nerd with this kind of stuff. And so I was totally, like, jazzed and said, yeah, I would love to, uh, love to see this place. And so he invites me in, and it's just the two of us. And he takes me through every little nook and cranny of this roastery, uh, showing me uh, all of the ins and outs of what uh, this, this, this place does. And I, as I was going through this place with him, I kept thinking, this guy knows so much about this place. This is so, like, detailed. And so we got to the very end of the whole process, and he goes, would you like some coffee? And uh, he, he led me up to this little area where they train baristas, and he did some pour-over thing for me. It tasted phenomenal, and after we were done, I said, man, I just want to say thank you. This was, this was unbelievable and unexpected. He said, it was my pleasure. Um, he said, uh, uh, you know, maybe someday we'll have some seating where people could come in and hang out here, but let me redirect you to one of our other coffee shops in town. And he told me where to, where to go, and I went there. I didn't realize this, but I was looking this place up after the fact, and um, I realized the guy that opened the door and gave me the tour to this place was the owner of this, this company. 
He was like the guy who, who started the company, the guy that's like the president, the CEO of this, this deal. I would have never thought that's who this guy was. He was so unassuming, so, so nice, so, so helpful. And uh, I realized, man, I just, I just got like a, a top-end tour of an like awesome coffee roastery from the guy that started this thing. I really think that um, one of the things that I experienced with this guy was, you know, I could, have, I could have walked through that roastery myself, by myself, and sort of experienced it and maybe guessed about some stuff, but I wouldn't have experienced it in the same way unless this, this guy would have actually gave me the tour himself. But what he did for me was took this sort of this entity, this organization, this thing that um, uh, I, I just sort of knew about, and he made it personal for me. He brought it really like home for me. I was able to experience his passion and his heart for this, this uh, thing that he had, he had been uh, working on for many, many years. This place that he took me through was really a reflection of him. It was a picture of, of, of what was important to him. In fact, even to this day, when I drink that coffee from that particular place, I think of that tour. And I, I, the, the coffee tastes a little different. I know it's probably corny, but like it, it just does because I, I feel like I, I, I know what goes into the making of it. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is a lot like that. And here's what I mean. The Holy Spirit is God's presence made personal. You can know about God. You can have head knowledge of God. You can, you can learn uh, about the doctrines of God, the, the theology of God. But you may not ever necessarily experience God. And one of the most amazing gifts that God has given us is the gift of His Spirit so that we can experience God personally. Um, I've, I think that that matters. I wonder if, 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 you can, if you've ever considered that if, that, if you think that that might matter for you. It, I, I think that it, it does. In fact, I wonder sometimes if our experience in the Christian life, for those of us here tonight that are believers, some of the frustration that we feel, some of the disconnection that we feel from God, uh, some of the, the, the moments of, of, of feeling like we, um, God is far off from us has to do with the fact that we haven't uh, understood and allowed ourselves to experience God's presence made personal to us in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Over the past few years, um, we have heard from many of you that uh, you would like to better understand the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, um, whether that's been in personal conversations with you or uh, maybe in when elders visit uh, missional communities, we've been asked that question quite a bit, or in our covenant renewals. Um, and we want you to know that we've been listening. Uh, we have uh, always been listening, but um, in particular as we thought about this year and the kinds of things that we want to talk about in 2021, we um, felt, as the elders of Mercy View, that we need to engage a little more deeply in this conversation about the Holy Spirit. And one of the convictions that has surfaced is that we need to lay down some tracks 
on, on the ways in which we think the Spirit should work in the life of a Christian, uh, the way that, that, that the Spirit can and should work in the life uh, of the church. And so we thought one of the best ways to do that is to take time uh, in our worship gatherings during uh, the preaching ministry of Mercy View to do that, to preach and to teach on these things. Some of these things, for some of you, are, are going, going to be a refresher. You're going to remember that these things about the Spirit, and you're going to be reminded and refreshed by them. But I, I imagine, and, and, and I'm praying this even for myself, and, and this would be our prayer for, for you, for, uh, for the leaders of Mercy View to, for you, would be uh, for our hearts to be open to learn about the Spirit and to have our hearts tender and open to the way in which God would want to move in this series as we learn more about the Spirit. Because there may be some things that uh, are new, maybe that you don't know. Maybe there's some things that uh, you've wondered, where does Mercy View land on that issue? And the way that we're going to teach and preach on this is we're going to share that with you humbly. Uh, and then we're, we're going to not just, just talk about it, but we're, we want to begin to think about how we want to practice some of this together as a church. And so I think it's going to be really important for you to be here on Sunday evenings. This is a, when we talk about this time together, laying tracks down for our church, this is a pretty big one for us um, for a variety of reasons. And so it's just going to be really important. I want to encourage you to be here for uh, this series. It's going to be a multi-week series. It's going to take probably two or three months. Uh, and so uh, every sermon is going to hit some different aspect of the Spirit and uh, uh, we, just, we just think it's really important for you uh, to be here. As you can see, the name of the series is called Third Person, The Present Power uh, of the Holy Spirit. And that's really the heartbeat of this series is we want to talk about what, what some have called the, the, um, the forgotten God. Uh, it's likely that the, in the Trinity, uh, the Holy Spirit's the least understood uh, God of the three, maybe, for you. And so we want to dispel some of that. We want to remove some of the fog of that in this series. So you're going to want to be here for that um, over these next couple uh, of months. Now, before uh, we jump into looking at our passage tonight, I, I think we need to do, just briefly, some, some theological lifting as a way to create a grid for uh, where we are, are heading in our series. I think in order for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is, we actually need to start at a very high level. And here's what I mean. Um, here at Mercy View, we find ourselves firmly in what would be called the Protestant Evangelical Christian tradition. That's a mouthful. Uh, but here's what, what that means. Here's some of what that means. That uh, we, we believe in the five solas. Um, we uh, believe that, that uh, Jesus was both fully human and fully God. We believe in the priesthood of believers. Like you as a believer can read the Bible, learn from it, apply that to your life. You don't need uh, uh, someone uh, in authority or above you to interpret and tell you what it means. Um, doesn't negate the importance of preaching and that kind of stuff. But to have someone who, you know, just kind of like, you, you don't, for yourself, get to figure out what the Scriptures have to say. Um, we, we believe in the priesthood of believers. That's something that you have available to you. That's one of the ways that we're Protestant evangelicals. We believe that in communion, Christ's presence, spiritual presence, is there um, in communion. And as we talk about the Holy Spirit, um, we're really talking about another one of those things that we affirm as Protestant evangelical Christians. Uh, we believe in something called the Trinity. 
Now, the Trinity is one of these things that you will not find that word in the Bible, but, the, but if you sort of systematically look at all of the Scriptures, what you begin to call from the Scriptures is this, this idea of the, the Trinity. And if there ever was a doctrine that was distinctive of our belief as Protestant Christians, it's the doctrine of the Trinity. So let's just talk about what that is. The doctrine of the Trinity is, is a few things. First is this, there is only one true and living God. There is one and only one true and living God. Two, this one God eternally exists in three persons, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and, and, and the Holy Spirit. You could even say it this way, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. These three persons are completely equal in attributes, each with the same divine nature, And lastly, while each person is fully and completely God, the persons are not identical. The differences among the Father and the Son and the Spirit are found in a way that they relate to one another and the role that each plays in accomplishing their unified purpose. Now, you can already begin to see how thick and rich and mysterious uh, this idea of the Trinity is, but those statements are the simplest way for us to, to sum up what the Bible has to teach us about this idea. Now, the, again, the word Trinity, you won't find it in the Bible, but the theology behind it can be found in many, many verses in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, so much so that, that a doctrine of the Trinity can be formulated. And what we find in those verses is that the Spirit, uh, if we think about the Trinity, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in this series, the Spirit um, uh, is primarily, primarily described in the Bible uh, in relation to his work. And this is important. Now, we, we've already said that all three, uh, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they're all God, one God in three persons. So that means the Spirit is, is a person. It has personhood. The qualities about the Spirit means that it, it relates to us as a, a person. And this, that's why, this is why that's important to say. Sometimes you might hear people talk about the Spirit as a, a force or, or a, uh, some kind of power. Uh, and, and sometimes in an impersonal way. But, but uh, while the, the Spirit doesn't have a physical body... The verses that we see in the scriptures describe the Spirit, uh, his qualities, his characteristics, and his actions as one of a person, not a force, not a, not a power, but one that, that, is, that has personhood. One famous author uh, once called um, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I said this earlier, uh, the forgotten God. And as we think about moving into this series, we want to we remove some of the fog that sits around this idea of who is the Spirit, what, is, what does He do, what is He about, what is His purpose in our lives and in the life of our church. And I believe that as Christians, our understanding of the Spirit will be relative to our experience of Him. So in this series, over the next few months, um, that is our desire as we try to uh, understand uh, the person and the work of the Spirit so that we can experience the, the Spirit among us. So, if you would look with me beginning in John 14, uh, beginning in, in verse 16 there, that's where we're going to be this evening. 
Um, I want us to see how the Spirit makes its entrance into our time and into our space and why. I thought a lot about how to start this series, and to me this is the best place for us tonight. We're going to really just kind of talk about um, how and why the Spirit came. And uh, in the weeks to come, you're going to see us kind of flesh this out. But um, as we do that, I want to invite you to see three things. First is this. The Holy Spirit is God's present indwelling presence in the believer. Let me just say that again. The Holy Spirit is God's present indwelling presence in the believer. Second, the Holy Spirit is God's personal indwelling presence in the believer. And then third, the Holy Spirit is God's indwelling presence joining all believers together. Now, for a little context, we're jumping into the middle of a a gospel here, John's gospel. Um, We find ourselves actually in the second half of John's gospel. Uh, We find ourselves in in really what is the last moments of Jesus' earthly ministry. Chapter 14 itself finds us uh, in the middle of what is known as Jesus' farewell discourse. What Jesus is doing here in this farewell discourse is turning his attention to the faith community that would continue his mission in the world. It would start with this small band of disciples that would then expand to, you know, be the the, the early church, and and, and then Christianity explodes from there. And in, in this little room where he's meeting with these disciples, there is so much happening, right? And he he He's teaching them and encouraging them and trying to help them see what the future holds. And uh, you see earlier in chapter 14, he, he's washing the feet of his disciples. He gives them a new commandment. And then that brings us to where we are in, in, in our passage. So after reminding his friends that if they have seen him, they've seen the Father, he, he is desiring to bring another comfort to his friends And look with me what he says there in verse 16. Let me read that again. Here's what Jesus says. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Some of your translations might say counselor or advocate. And he says, I'm doing this uh, so that this helper will be with you forever. And then he he says the very end there, verse uh, 17, You know him, for he dwells with you, and and he will be in you. Here here is where we find the promise of the Holy Spirit. And before we look at who the Holy Spirit is, I want us to see why uh, the the location of where the Spirit would reside is ushering in a new age for Christians in this moment and forever and and for the church in a new and, and fresh and powerful way. Now, that's not to say that the Spirit wasn't around or working before this moment, but the particular lo- the location of the Spirit is a new idea here. And, and Jesus is initiating this new idea as he's promising the Spirit here. Now, if you would look there at verse 17 again, here's what Jesus says about the coming Spirit. He says to his friends that the Spirit was go- is going to dwell with them. And then this is really important. He says, and will be in them. You see that word in there. Now, we don't know. If the disciples understood all that that meant and all of its magnificence, right? It's a massive thing for Jesus to say and to promise. But here's what Jesus meant by this. They would understand it eventually. And I think this is what we are meant to understand on this side of the ministry of Jesus. Um, Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to leave you. 
I'm gonna, my own presence with you, I, I'm going to leave you. And I'm just one guy. <laughs> I can only be with you if you're with me. But I'm actually going to send a, a helper to you that is also God that can be with every believer wherever they are. And he says, I, this is a, a helper that's going to dwell or to take up residence, uh, inhabit you. God was going to come now to live in the believer through the Spirit. This was new. This was a new idea. So when and where does this happen? We don't have time to go into this uh, too deeply. I'm sure this is a passage of Scripture that we're going to look at at some point here in the series. But um, if you look there later in Acts chapter 2, you see the promised Spirit fall on Jesus' disciples in a powerful and dramatic way during Pentecost. And that was the entrance of the Spirit into our time and space, but uh, to be made available to dwell in the life of the believer. And this helper was, uh, was uh, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. This person was God. So when you join together what we said earlier about the Trinity, the Spirit is God and one of its three persons, and then what we just said, this helper would dwell in a believer This brings us to the first thing that I want to invite you to see this evening. The Holy Spirit is God's present, indwelling presence in the believer. In other words, uh, the Holy Spirit now is, is present at all times for each individual believer. If you are a Christian here tonight, you have in, in you, the, the Spirit's presence is in you, God's presence, His present presence. Does that make sense? So, you know, he is near. Uh, It is not far off. It is present. A a good way to understand the indwelling of the Spirit uh, is this way. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, Paul asked this question. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? A lot of um, coaches, uh, you know, like to use that verse to tell their their, uh, their athletes, you know, that they're, they're coaching like, this is why you need to take care of your body and make sure you're, you know, staying healthy and running and exercising. And that is true. That's fine. But, but that's not what this verse really is about. Really, this verse is reminding us that uh, uh, this shift in where the Spirit now resides is massive. You as a believer now have with, within you the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself in a variety of ways to human beings, right? He spoke in an audible voice sometimes. He appeared in a burning bush. He rode in a chariot of fire. Um, In his covenant relationship with Abraham and Abraham's descendants, Yahweh established a more permanent presence. Uh, He appears as a pillar of cloud and a fire in the wilderness. Eventually, Moses would consecrate something called the tabernacle, uh, which is uh, a place where people would meet and worship God together. Uh, in the tabernacle, there's a, a, a most holy place is what it's called. That's where the glory would enter and dwell there until it was time for the Israelites to move camp and, and go somewhere else. And uh, uh, after generations of, of what I would call spiritual adultery, God's people are on the cusp of divine judgment. And, and then the prophet Ezekiel sees the glory of God actually departing from what the tabernacle transitioned to, which was called the temple. 
And the glory does not return, at least at that moment. Even later, when Herod rebuilds the, temples, uh, the temple uh, centuries later. It is not until Jesus rides triumphantly into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and enters the temple, does he at last, uh, does the glory at last return to the temple in the person of Jesus. And then here in John 14, Jesus is promising a helper that will be present in the believer called the Holy Spirit. And we just said that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus' disciples and permanently indwells his new temple, the temple of their bodies. Do you see this story? Now you are the temple. God's presence now resides in you. God's glory now resides in you. The tabernacle and the temple are no longer the earthly dwellings of the glory of God, of the Spirit of God. God now resides permanently in the human spirits of those who trust in His Son, Jesus. The believer in Jesus has now become the inner sanctum of God the Spirit. Now next week, we're going to begin to look at some of the more specific ways this indwelling spirit helps us or advocates for us or counsels us, but I want to look at a couple big ways tonight that the indwelling spirit changes the way that you and I can experience God as we begin our series on the spirit this this evening. And the first way is really the second thing I want to invite you to see this evening, and it's this. The Holy Spirit is God's personal indwelling presence in the believer. We just said that the the Holy Spirit is God's uh, uh, present indwelling presence, but here we want to say it just a little bit differently. The Holy Spirit is God's uh, personal indwelling presence in the believer. Let me get at it this way. When most people uh, think about heaven, they think about a place, and it is a place. They sometimes think about certain activities or, 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 or things that we're going to do in the new heavens and the, and the new earth, and, and, and that is true. There will be things that we do. There are things that we will uh, participate in. But if that is all that we think about heaven, then we are likely missing the main point of heaven. The main point of heaven is that it is primarily a fulfilled relationship once and for all. A fulfilled relationship. In heaven, you have the full presence, you will have the full presence of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. In heaven, we will be in full, complete, transcendent relationship with the Trinity. That will define our existence for eternity. It's amazing. Now, in the text that's in front of you this evening, God is promising to give his disciples, to give us, a preview of this full presence, a down payment, so to speak, of this eternal heavenly communion with God and to give it to us in the here and now. And here's what that means. As a believer, you can now have personal communion with the Trinity of eternity. Now, I don't know if you think of your Christian life that way, but let let me just say, like, that is reality. And so what... Part of what we want to do in this series is get our, uh, our belief lined up with reality that, that in the Spirit, we now have a personal communion with the Trinity of eternity. This is unbelievable stuff. We don't have to wonder if God is far off from us. Um, we don't have to wonder if, if, if he will ever come near to us. The Trinitarian God has come near to you in the Spirit, so far near to you that he now dwells in you. 
You are the temple of the Spirit of God. You are the very house in which the Holy Spirit dwells. Do you see what this means? This is God's personal presence in you. What a gift. So why does this matter? Well, some of you struggle to believe this about God. You see God as far off. You see Him as as someone who who may be transcendent and, and majestic which is true about God, but you don't see him as someone who wants to have a personal relationship with you. For in the Spirit is God's deposit on his desire to have a personal relationship with you in an ongoing way. We are going to talk more about this in this series, but um, the Spirit has come near to you. He is now dwelling in you so that he can minister to you. So that you can be ministered by the Spirit. The the Spirit in you, dwelling in you, is God's way of saying, I want a personal relationship with you. And and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to send myself in the person of the Spirit to dwell in your heart. I'm going to send the third person of the Trinity to inhabit you. Because I want your experience of me to be real. I want you to to experience joy, experience freedom, experience hope, and that comes when our hearts are are in line with the Spirit. The the Spirit is God's way of saying, I'm not far off. I'm so near, I'm living inside of you. Now here's another way that we experience God because of the Spirit, and it's the third thing that I want to invite you to see this evening. The Holy Spirit is is God's indwelling presence joining all believers together. And let me just tell you why we're doing this as the last point tonight. Uh, It is true and it is one thing for us to say that the Spirit is meant to be a blessing to us in our own walk with the Lord individually. For you individually as a Christian, the Spirit is meant to be a helper for you, a comforter to you, an advocate to you, a counselor to you. But the Holy Spirit's work and role is not resigned to just working in the lives of individual believers. One of the things that we want to explore in this series, and it's really a question we're asking, is in what way does the Holy Spirit want to take um, our experience of Him collectively as a, a church body and allow us as a church to experience Him? And so we have to remember that, that the Holy Spirit is also God's indwelling presence joining all believers together for a very specific purpose. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says it this way, For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. Now, we're not going to get too deep into this verse. There's a lot going on. But the, the thing that I want us to focus on here, and it's... it's um, it's a theme that is in this verse. It helps us at a, at a more of a high level. Uh, is this one of the most amazing aspects of the coming of the Spirit into our lives? Is that the Spirit unites us together with other believers? It is the work of the Spirit that, that does that. It is in the community of God that I think we are meant to experience more of the Spirit. Again, it it doesn't mean in your own walk with the Lord that you won't experience the things of the Spirit, enjoy the things of the Spirit, be ministered to by the Spirit. But I think in the community of faith, in a local church, um, we are meant to experience more of God through the Spirit. 
because the, the Spirit unites us together as believers. There's no other way to get into the body of Christ except to be baptized into the body by the Spirit. And again, we're going to talk more about what those kind of things are in the future, but there's only one way to be baptized into the body by the Spirit, and that's to be redeemed by Jesus. If you've been redeemed by Jesus, if that's your story, you can know that you've been baptized into the body of Christ. We've all come one way, by the Savior, through one Spirit, by one salvation. The Spirit regenerates us, which we're going to talk again more about in in the weeks to come, and then That spirit, listen, this is important, places us communally in the body of Christ. We are joined together with other believers through that same spirit. And here's why this matters. Um, There's no spiritual loners in the local church. There are no outside people. There are no spectators. We are joined together by the spirit, and that means we all matter in the body. The spirit of God that is pulsing through me is the same spirit, the same spirit that is pulsing through you. We are united by the same spirit. You are as vital to the organism of a local church as any limb of a human body would be. There aren't degrees of importance. We're not a group of people who just come and watch what happens while the paid professionals do their thing. We are a living cell, a living organism. We are a community of people who live and breathe the same air. We're citizens of the same kingdom, members of the same family, and best of all, members of the same body through the Spirit. If the life of God lives in your soul by the presence of the Spirit of God, you matter here. And if you're not a part actively and practically of what's happening here, the scriptures say that we are, um, our body in a sense is crippled by that. We are, we are lesser than we could be. Now maybe you struggle to feel like you're a part of, of this church. Man, this has been a really difficult year, I think, for a lot of us to feel connected uh, just due to the disorientation of COVID and how we've had to meet. I get that. But if, if you feel like you're on the outside like a, like a spectator, let me just challenge you in, in one way. This may not be where you need to be. Some of you may need to be challenged, but some of you might need to be. So I think sometimes, for, for some of us, we uh, resist putting ourselves in context where God desires us to join with others in the Spirit in a regular, rhythmic way, in an active way. And, and if you've been a partner with us for any length of time, you know here at Mercy View, we, we try to keep it pretty simple and say, look, the, the places for that, for you here, if you want to engage in community is, is, is what we're doing right now is one of those. Uh, our, our missional communities, a D group is also a great place to be. But let me just say something, too, about like kind of hanging out with us and, and, and sort of peeking over the fence at Mercy View. Um, that's important, and that, there's a, that's a process for a while. But sometimes um, we can uh, allow that to, to go on too long. And, and, and one of the things that I think that God wants to sometimes do is, is, is to help us um, go ahead and, and take a step of faith into a local church, an imperfect local church, become a member of that church. And, and uh, Ryan says this really well, get our, put ourselves in the way of community. Put our, get ourselves in the way of the ways in which God wants to uh, allow the Spirit to work among us. And so some of you here tonight may need to think about that. Like, what does it mean for me to become uh, a member of Mercy View? Some of you here tonight may need to just, as the new year has started, maybe a resolution for yourself is I'm going to be more regular and active in my missional community. 
I'm going to um, be, uh, you know, be a part of a D group or I'm going to uh, get going with the D group that I was a part of or, or um, start a new D group, whatever it may be. But to get yourself in the way of the Spirit. And so we've tried to make some tracks for you here to do that. And, and uh, um, we think that uh, uh, if we can respond to the part that we play in that, God's Spirit starts to show up. And we start to experience him in the context of community. God baptizes us into the body through his spirit, but we have a role to play. We, we have to respond. We, we, we need to move into contexts where the spirit is at work and can work. We need to think about in those contexts, are the things that we're doing together helping us experience more of the spirit? Or, or is there anything that's working against that? Are there things that we are doing that, that are working against the Spirit's ability to, to move among us? Friends, we aren't baptized into the body of Christ to do solo Christianity. We are called to join our lives with others who've also been baptized into the body of Christ. And if I can serve you in helping you get more uh, connected in community, more engaged in that, um, I would be honored to do that. Please reach out to me. Reach out to Ryan. Reach out to any of our leaders here. We'd love to be able to help you get in the way of the Spirit, uh, particularly as we're looking at this, this theme at the beginning of this year. Friends, in this series, we are seeking to understand how the Spirit and His power is meant to flow through us and through our church. And we begin here tonight. Is the Spirit present in your life? If you're here tonight and that's a new idea for you, you're hearing the story of, of God for the first time, I want to ask that you would consider um, uh, responding to the, the call of the Spirit in your life. It's no accident that you're here tonight. If you'd like to talk about what it means to follow this, this God, um, man, I'd love to talk with you about that so that you can say in your life, man, the Spirit is present in my life. For many of us here tonight, we walked with the Lord for a while, and so the question for us maybe isn't so much is the Spirit present in our life. It's the second thing we talked about tonight. Do we experience the Spirit in a personal way? We need to ask ourselves, when is the last time I can say that I experienced the Spirit in this way? What does it mean to experience the Spirit? Maybe that, that's even a question we need, to, we need to ask. How would we even articulate that? And then lastly, is the Spirit prompting you to join your Spirit-baptized life with other Spirit-baptized lives? And Are you promoting and allowing the Spirit to move among you? Friends, our journey begins here. We must settle this or we can't or won't understand and experience the present power of the Spirit. So maybe, maybe we could ask ourselves this, do we want that? Do we want an experience of the Spirit that is powerful? The, the subtitle of the series is The Present Power of the Spirit. If we do, if we want that, the Spirit must be present. The Spirit must be personal. And the Spirit must be given freedom to do His work among us in community as a Spirit-baptized people. That's our hope. That's our aim Thank you for being here tonight. Let's pray together um, as we close out this evening.